Russell Brand. Rock and roll. Radio that's branded for trouble. 100% fire brand. Russell Brand on TalkSport. Hello, you're listening to Russell Brand, and here's your host, I am. Joining me is my co-host, Matt Morgan. Hello. Hello. Right. Hello. You all right? Yeah, very well, apart from feeling nauseous. Now, we are in a cellar under a theatre in Bristol on the west coast of the United Kingdom. And even as we began, a ghostly tread could be heard overhead, couldn't Footsteps it? Footsteps ahead, above. I've mm. seen two mice. Two mice. This is like, we're broadcasting from an Edgar Allan Poe story <laughs> mr g poet of the show is present hello g how you doing you're right yes pretty good now um we're in bristol so i think we should immediately commence with the conversation with bristol's perhaps bristol's most famous resident who's not been caught up in the slave trade it's steve merchant is steve merchant there hello steve hello all right, Steve, thank you for agreeing. I'm very well, thank you. When we were trying to book you for this through the professional route, before I text you, uh, we were, the, your uh, agent said he might be out drinking. That was the... <laughs> that was the well, that I was am the... obviously about to head out drinking. You are interrupting me. I mean, you know, now that you're out of the market, the ladies of London need to be pleasured. Does anyone know for the job? Right, so you, you nowadays that you uncluttered and unimpeded by me, you're pretty much a kind of London Lothario, are you? There's a lot of women just wandering the streets, as you can imagine, sort of blank face, zombie-like, you know, calling out your name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I swoop in in a pair of tight trousers and they're happy to make do. <laughs> I consider that a progression, if anything. And um, coming on back on the radio, I thought you were banned for life. Doesn't they didn't ever know about this? <laughs> is there a website I can complain to? There, there is. Uh, the Daily Mail do have a website, and I think they would probably um, welcome your complaints. What it is is this is for um, talk sport in the UK. So we've been given very much it's sort of a second chance, Steve. Sure. Um, now listen, yes. what's the story? Why was I not invited to your stag do? Oh yeah. Sorry about Pluto, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've, well, I weren't in charge of the invites, or, any, or really, that's, I'm not in charge of the stag do. Yeah, I'd love to have had you there, you'd have really lifted the mood. You've got a lovely personality, I'm sorry, Steve. All I'm saying is I feel ashamed and humiliated. I'm very sorry to have put you in that ever-growing bracket of people that I've hurt. I'm very sorry, but I don't know... <laughs> I don't think you'd have enjoyed it, Steve. First of all, we, we went to a football match. Would you have enjoyed right. that? West Ham versus Spurs. Would you have enjoyed that particularly? No. And then we went for then we were, went for a meal in a restaurant, but there was a bizarre period where we were held in a cheese shop, which sort of a cheese shop stroke deli that was upstairs at the restaurant we were at. So there was a long, like sort of a half hour period where we were just men in a cheese shop. I don't know if you'd have enjoyed that particularly. Are you a fan of cheese? I am a huge fan of cheese and cheese shops, but you know, it's not in the end, it's not really about that. It's not for you to decide whether I'd enjoy it, is it? It's for no. you to ask and for me to decide. Okay, yes. I, realize. I remember I first started working with Ricky and we literally were working for about a month and he walked in, we were around his house and we were working for one, he disappeared, he came back with one cup of tea for himself and he started drinking it. I went, well, you didn't ask me if I wanted to eat and he said, well, I presumed you wouldn't want one. <laughs> Which <laughs> is... Okay, fine. Yeah, well, you presume wrong. So, did saying, you actually you know, want a cup of tea in that instance? Yes, of course I did. I always love a lovely cup of tea. I always after a cup of tea. It settles you down as well, as well as the drink itself. It's a very, it's relaxing. It's convivial. It's hospi It's hospitable to give someone a tea. Yeah, but listen, I'm, I forgive you. I, I, you know, you're a busy man. You've got a lot of people in your phone book. A lot more, more important people. A lot of probably bigger names. You've got a lot of A-listers in there. There's you some, know, I can you... imagine being kind of low on that list. 
You, well, I mean, alphabetically and perhaps in terms of uh, listing, yes, that might be true. But in terms of conviviality and warm-heartedness, you're very high up. And what concerns me now is you obviously bear an incredible grudge as this cup of tea incident, which, you know, you've been friends with Ricky, like, what, 10, 15 years? And you're still bringing it up. Still bringing it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. I do hold a grudge. I didn't think I did, but now that you've said it, there's a lot of people that, I've, that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> You're harbouring a lot of hatred. I've got um, nothing but warmth for you uh, ever since. Our, I mean, we've had some lovely incidents. We went scarf shopping together. That was a that was brilliant. That was like a mandate, wasn't it? I ran into you in the in the street. You were talking to a homeless man, of course you were. And um, yeah, and I suddenly needed a scarf, and you spent the afternoon with me, and I ended up back at your house having a lovely cup of tea. It was very much like a mandate. Presumably, normally, if I'd been a woman, it would have been. I know I wouldn't have left on the following morning, but no. uh, that time I, I left. Uh, that afternoon and it was charming i thought we enjoyed ourselves enormously it was lovely and i i like to think that sometimes you wear those scarves that we purchased and think of me am i right to muse in that manner i honestly i often think of you when i see them but i never wear them they were terrible scarves and i don't know what you were thinking <laughs> yeah one was red and a bit over the top the other one it's though, far too dandyish for me yeah I, I was trying to impose my taste upon you i, I apologize for that steve steve i watched you in the film uh, the tooth fairy as i'm sure yep. you pronounce it uh, and uh, I enjoyed watching you very much in that. It was nice to see you in a, a big Hollywood film opposite The Rock. I wonder if you've got amusing anecdotes that uh, would make sense to our listeners, or if you sort of think, given the nature of this phone call, you can't be bothered to get into it. <laughs> um, almost nothing amusing happened. I was there for like two months filming in Vancouver, and... Um, Hard Actually, to... I look back on it, it was quite a depressing time for me because <laughs> in the movie I play a, a fairy who only The Rock can see, which meant I was only really ever in scenes with him, and because he was filming all the time, it meant I never really met anyone else. So I just was like a lonely lost figure who just spent two months in Vancouver sort of wandering the streets, occupying my time, swimming in the large empty hotel pool, it was like Lost in Translation. It was a really melancholy time. <laughs> so actually, you brought, you brought that back for me. And, uh, I'm sorry that the... the uh, I think it's turning into a really depressing time. <laughs> I didn't think that the light-hearted children's film, The Tooth Fairy, would conjure up such painful memories. But I suppose yeah. your only emotional support was a man called The Rock. So right, that... exactly. You know, and it's curious because you you'd presume that he'd have been, you know, a form of... Presumably he would have been a rock for me. Right. But he was a busy guy, you know. A lovely man, don't, don't get me wrong. Charming, absolute joy. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, he, oh, he, he did take us to a nightclub once. We went up the back stairs. That's oh, not yes. We yes, literally went up the back stairs. Um, <laughs> and he had the sort of VIP treatment, and it's quite nice. Because, I mean, I imagine that's what your life is like all the time now in, uh, in Hollywood. But still quite a novelty for me. The limousine that drives, drives you like 500 yards from the hotel. You go up through the kitchens into a VIP area. Oh, it's glorious. And of course, the, the last bit of content that I can wring from you is the uh, visit that you made to my uh, Hollywood home that I share with Katie. Well, um, you made some interesting, I've watched the footage of that day. You made some interesting, sweeping, and dare I say, hurtful judgments. I wonder if you can recall any of those. Uh, I don't remember any of them. Really. I remember thinking that I saw your vast walk-in wardrobe and was disgusted by the transparent, conspicuous wealth on display. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking that you have embraced seemingly a number of kind of mumbo-jumbo, new-agey beliefs. 
Um, and you seem to be sort of setting yourself up as a sort of modern-day Charles Manson. You've got this kind of kind of creepy guru quality about you. Um, those are the those are the things that spring to mind. Is there anything you had in mind? Mostly those hurtful comments. And uh, and then I was just going to add the, uh, when you said. Uh, there, there was a golden lamp that was the shape of an M16 machine gun, and you said, uh, oh, it's a testimony to how far you've come that such a gaudy and disgusting object it looks uh, comfortable in your home. <laughs> it, it, it did remind me of that. You remember when Michael Jackson on that Martin Bashir documentary went shopping for Tat in Las Vegas? Yes. I do it remember. It did remind me of that, yeah. I think there are other elements to that documentary that I, I, I'm glad were not evoked by your visit to my home. <laughs> Thank God we didn't explore every room. <laughs> Keep away from the nursery, Steve! <laughs> What's all that screaming? Oh, don't worry about that. You haven't got children yet, have you? <laughs> no, no, oh, oh, go and look at that lamp. There's a solid gold lamp. Oh, Steve, thank you very much for your time. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, man. Oh, it's good to be down here in a basement, isn't it? Isn't it? It's lovely. Eerie, these places we're doing broadcasts from, aren't they? I was saying earlier, it's like, sort of, because people don't live in here. It's mm. got this ghostly quality, It's also, and it's so ancient, like theatre. Yeah. I know you you were born to be on the stage, Obviously. but some of us. Yeah, because I, I wonder what it is, it's because it's sort of transient. I mean, in the dressing room I'm in, I mean, you get, one gets the impression that there's been unsavoury acts, and unpleasant oh, yeah. acts, and feigned emotions on the stage and screaming yeah. and then i was in the dressing room i've been in other times and i've done stand-up here so i know from just personal recollection let alone you know any divine intuition that disgusting things have happened in at least that dressing room yeah well you imagine hundreds of years of it and also signs on doors saying like wig room and Ooh. things like that wig room <laughs> keep away from the wig room the wig master is having a kid <laughs> like big big smelly wigs all yeah. covered in dust and mice mice living in wigs yeah <laughs> oh, wig mice oh, this one was on the baron scalp for yeah. many a long time it's all sort of wurzel gummidgey it is it's a wurzel gummidge unknowable it all smells of straw and weirdness yeah and wurzel gummidge with their mice in his chest last time i was here at this theater the bristol hippodrome uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was the production that was on, and like, I quite like it. Say when you. Uh, who are you, the child catcher? <laughs> I mean, if I was going to be anybody, <laughs> I'd be the child catcher. Yes, lollipops. But in this instance, when you, when you do stand up in a venue that um, that's got like they usually have a production on six days a week, and then right. for the they have it dark for one day, and that's when you could do stand up there. And, uh, they, are they have it dark, room. is that a theatrical say. term? Yes, oh, the right. theatre is dark, so stay away <laughs> from the wig room! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's dark on a Saturday, so I did my stand-up, and the chi like, all the props from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang were like, lying around. I've touched them. Oh, the cage. There's a cage that the child catcher wheels around. Yeah, that That's... was there. Uh, and like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang himself, very protective. Of uh, the it's annoying me, and it must be annoying you that you have to keep saying Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> it's a lot of us, like, yeah, it's too much. Can't they just call it call Chit? Him, call him CCBB. CCBB? Saucy Baby. Russell Brand on Talk Sport. Uh, shall we, Matthew, do a roundup of news events? We've looked for Bristol related news. There is none. Nothing's so, happened. Nothing's happened in Bristol. It's been static for a while. So let's, um, you. You've sourced some international news, I believe. Yes, I've been on it all day. Yeah? <laughs> Part of my life. Um, shall I just launch into this? Or launch do you, into well, why, don't it. You, why don't you launch that? Let's you do that. Okay, all right. Well, the headline is Sex Shop Scrap Over Bad Porn Film. Hmm. Okay. A customer got into a fight in a gay sex shop. Are they gay sex shops? I suppose so. 
I suppose there are. Actually, we'll just have a gay section. Would you like a gay section? <laughs> I'm really interested in the gay section. Or maybe this happened in the gay section. I think he, it's good not to marginalise the gays into a section, just to have, them have an entire gay Hey, front. I didn't say it was a smaller section. Hey. Maybe it's the main section. The main section maybe the gay. straight section is just a little thing for the weirdos who have sex with people of other genders. <laughs> there you go, there's a picture of some boobs <laughs> under there. You pervert. <laughs> you never know what could happen in the future. That might be a, a future, yeah, that could be our portrayal of a future where gayness is normal. That could yeah. be sort of like a film, normalised or more conventional. I don't know if I'm using the right sort of language to not get myself in trouble. But, you know, like, I think Mel Gibson done a film once. It was called Turning Up, Topsy Turvy Bonkers World. Where, no, I don't uh, think he did. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's his private life. <laughs> but, but where the um, predominant the predominant culture was African American culture and like so like it had like a, White Man's Burden, is it called? Might have been something like that, but the sort of it had like sort of the, the traditional roles associated with black and white races had been uh, reversed. And like I suppose at the time it may have been used as an essay and comment on racism in america but subsequently since like we've, we've all heard mad tapes of mill gibson saying things like yeah you're going out there you'll get you'll get hard by an n-word oh you're in the n-word myself you a you know like yeah. it makes me think well what was he i might go back and watch that film and see if there's a subtext yeah someone's probably done that on youtube well someone's gone back and yeah so they, they did that with kramer you know he did that racist rant and they went back through all Seinfeld episodes and took things that were humorous in that context, let's say. Ah, yeah, it's pretty funny. They rewrote history. I what was he thinking? I'm myself rather fond. Well, anyway, stop talking back about serious things. Yeah. Let's talk about a fight in a gay sex shop. <laughs> uh, a bloke got into a fight because he demanded a refund after watching a porn film. So he bought a porn film, didn't like it, marched in, demanded a refund, mm. right? Furious Punter branded the film rubbish, but staff at the Mystery Hall sex shop in San Pauli, Germany, refused to give him his money back. Yeah. Well, of course. Quite rightly, because, I mean, all of us are having seen a porn film. I don't ever watch porn again twice. I mean, when I was a teenager, I had films, as you know, that I oh, felt towards garage girls being one of them. Yeah. Um, but, like, nowadays, once I've watched a porn film, I feel, well, that's, that's finished for me. You user. I, I'm a terrible user <laughs> when it comes to a porn film. I, I can't revisit it because I thought, well, I've experienced Well, that. yeah, you used to have like a porn mag, didn't you, or a couple. Yeah. yeah I knew those girls very well. Those girls were like You used to like the stories more than the pictures. I loved the pornographic stories. I could lose myself in their lyricism. I could re I Lyricism? Who? <laughs> <laughs> F Robin Girth and things like that. Oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I proclaim you to be a genius, sir. Those letters on the letters page, obviously, I suppose, were made real. up because yeah. they all used the. I'm sure we've same talked format. about this a lot. Well, the same format, the same words, yeah. same nomenclature. Nomenclature, yeah. Like uh, apparently, what was his name? That government minister fellow that was famous. We had him on the show before, didn't we? What's his name? John Spin Doctor. Main man's been Dr. Peter Campbell. Alistair Campbell wrote porn stories, apparently, famously. Hey. Did I you ever to... try to? Yes, I wrote one myself when I was a younger man for me. Right. But the thing was, when I read it, it's how I already knew it. But in it, the protagonist, me, had a hell of a time. <laughs> Did you post it to yourself? Like, ah, what's this? Hang on, man. What said this? What was me? What, what was I thinking? This offends me. The um, thing was, it was bloody good because uh, it centred around a, an imagined act, a reimagined. How old were you? 14, 15. Oh, right, so you yeah. probably didn't have the right references. It, I knew all the words by then because I'd already been involved in reading other porn for some time. Right. I'd studied porn for okay. a long while. I was a keen scholar. 
This story's about my Auntie Josie and I. She's not a real aunt, just Auntie Everyone is when you're a kid. And like most of my Hang kids... on, not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know those uncles who come round your house? Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Warmfingers. <laughs> um, Uncle uh... Shushy. <laughs> Uncle, they won't believe you if you tell them. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> Uncle, make me cry in the shower okay. myself. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, listen to this. That bloke, right, who yeah. complained... He left the shop but returned minutes later to start a fight. <laughs> I like that. He went, this is rubbish, and then left. Went, no, actually, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to fight this one out, actually. After, and he floored the shop assistant, right? Doesn't say if it was a man or a woman. And he stole £350 as compensation for the disappointing film. How disappointing was that? Could only have been 20 quid. How did he, how did he possibly adjudicate the value of his disappointment so accurately? I would claim <laughs> £350 worth of disappointment. Look at this, that's my undergarment. Yeah, it's weird, can't isn't it? make that decision. He sort of reimbursed him. It's co he's compensated himself. For, for the distress. Like, I've seen, like, sometimes, say, for example, and I, I know this won't shock you, you order a bit of hotel pornography. Like, something like, well, one of the titles available on my hotel system is My Sister is a Slut. <laughs> really? I've not ordered that film because I just think, well, where's that going to go? There's a storyline. It's just like a person judging his sister. <laughs> oh, you're a slut. <laughs> what are you wearing? Who are going out with Paddy again? Is it, is it an incestual storyline, do you think, or is it just. I don't know. I think it might be. Uh, Why is he needed? Because you could just like call it a slut. It could be a film. <laughs> Why does the brother's opinion yeah, matter? Is also, he's thing? making you look bad, isn't he? Because he's going, well, that's wrong what she's doing. He's... Stop touching your willy. <laughs> the that's my sister. You're this. Oh, I put you in a bracket with her. The slut people. <laughs> my sister's a slut and you're worse. Five pounds. <laughs> and that'll be 70 pounds and it will show up on your bill as pervert money. <laughs> that's 70 pounds of pervert tax to you. My sister, I've tarred and feathered her. She'll be marching through the streets. <laughs> I want to watch that now. Why are you still using hotel porn when you've got a laptop? I know, what's the point? I just turned it on because the cable... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I fell over. over and I pressed this button and then before I knew it... it I hit on the elbow, it has gone off in the air. No. Yeah, so, well, actually I didn't select it because what's the point these days? Also... But I don't know, what, why, why is this gay porn shop even relevant? Why is it not culturally obsolete in the age of the internet? And this man... Having such a scant understanding of the nature of pornography that he thinks you can return it and then judge your own conversation. We all feel bad after watching porn. That's the nature Maybe that's, of the yeah. arc. I feel terrible now. Flooring a shopkeeper over it. Yeah. Oh, like, the next day, uh, excuse me, sir. I was in your pub last night where I had ten <laughs> pints of delicious booze. For a while, I considered myself to be quite the scrapper and a brilliant conversationalist. But this morning, I have a headache, I feel lacrimose and alone. <laughs> that would be £550. <laughs> It does understand the nature of transience, that man. What else is he saying? Police are searching for him, if anyone's worried. Right, if you're worried, the police are searching They're for him. They're on the it. Man. He'll be found. He's in St. Paul in Germany. He won't affect us, people of Britain or people of English-speaking countries, because he's there in Germany, St. Paul, which I happen to know have an anti-racist football team. So at least they've got that to balance things. An anti-racist football team? What's that the, mean? The, a whole football team of people that are against racism. What, the players? Everyone involved. Really? The tea lady, the chairman, <laughs> everyone there. They're all they like. There's two things they're into: Matt, football, and not being racist. They found a way combined. Well, that's what their whole their whole thing is just built on that. Just basically. A Are they any about, good at football? 
Not that good. They've never played it. They've got no vim in their bellies. <laughs> they are called a lot of wet lettuces. <laughs> what you want is some racists with a bloody good strategy out there that can really use the flanks. So that's that news story about pornography. And I ultimately feel that a lesson has been learned, not just for us, Matt, but perhaps for everyone. I think so, for humanity. Humanity has learned a valuable lesson. I think the people of Bristol, regardless of the fact that this doesn't particularly apply to their area, they'll learn a valuable lesson. Let's from tell them that these stories are local Bristolian yeah. stories because they won't know how do they know we'll have to have a prop newspaper to pretend that they're coming from yeah and then we'll just sort of go this happened in and then we'll say some street and then the people of Bristol will say that that street is shit as they always do on people this tour detest their own areas it seems that's one of the things we've learned Matt I feel we've not played, paid due heed to George Wilson the portrait of whom hung in that theatre we went to in Newcastle I think it's George Wilson it's George no. Woods isn't it oh yes George Woods I'd like to know more about George Woods. I'd I'm like obsessed to know what with him. He did and why he did. I think about him every day for a bit. I bet you could Google him and find if he's an actual real person. Of course, well, he must have was a real person. Because he was photographed, and you can't photograph nothingness. That's, no, that's been. Proven. He might have been a character in something, but no, he wouldn't have signed it. He that, have unless he'd gone totally mad. Kind thoughts. <laughs> it's like he's written that as a reminder to himself. Come on, George, oh buck up. Stop mm. thinking about that. <laughs> Down the knife. Kind thoughts, George. <laughs> At least for the duration of this signature, George, don't write malevolent wishes. Dark times upon thee, dark times. Kind wow. thoughts, George. Kind he popped up in the show because we were interested in the image. Very he nice. came up on the back of the, what do you call that thing? That great big screen. That's the word. <laughs> screen. screen. He popped up there last night when we were somewhere else. This George Woods character is haunting us and I'd like to know everything about him and I think by the next time we speak we'll know about him and we'll probably be able to give a bloody good account of his life. Matt, I've enjoyed your story about the gay porn shop now that's why I'd like to bring you a way of, uh, as a tribute to my love to you, this story, Head Teacher Eats Tarantula. One of Britain's leading head teachers stunned pupils by eating a tarantula in front of a packed assembly. Well, that is already stunning. It's also stunning that uh, how can you assess him to be a leading head teacher? When are they ever? Yeah, well, there is actually league tables. Point. There's a league table. So maybe back. he's pretty high up on that. Right. And yeah. giddy with power. <laughs> if I know what I need to do. <laughs> I see two schools are still ahead of us. Well, what they need is something to galvanise the spirits. Well, maybe Eton and Rugby tower above us, but I'd like to see their headmaster do this. What are you doing, sir? That's my pet, Jacob. Ah, its legs are on your chin! Oh, <laughs> see the juice run down my neck! <laughs> I'd like to see them do that, Eaton! There's plenty of juice running down their neck at Eaton. Oh! Hello! Adyin Onak? Oh, come on, mate. Adyin Onak? That's not a name for a person. It's too much like arachnophobic. His name sounds spider-related, well. arachnoid. Look, what his name's Adyin Onak. Aidy Nonak ate the spider to raise money for a new sports and drama centre <laughs> at a highly rated St Olaf's Grammar School in Orpington, Kent. Kent, where you're from, Matt. That's not, I've actually heard of that school. You've heard of it? Yeah. Because you went to a grammar school, you were, got past your 11 plus, you were a bright boy, you fought your way out of the ghettos and into one of the grammar schools. Which one was it? Dartford Grammar School. Did where... you have to do some sort of noncy poncy event against St Olaf's? Uh, I think, yeah, we used to, I wasn't in the rugby team. No, of course not. 
Me? No. Well, they thought it was unfair. I was far too good at it. (laughs) We can't unleash the Morgan. (laughs) Crikey. With his fly half wing back diddly eye chai hooker skills. It's a good job you weren't involved because it's an Olaf's. The headmaster is tarantulas. Olaf. 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 (laughs) Olaf. Have another tarantula. Sit down. Well, if their master's in tarantulas, imagine what the bullies are like. I know. Look at this. But some people there are cruel because some pupils enjoyed seeing his discomfort. Although he was doing it himself. Yeah. Well, like, no. It's not like uh, Mr. Bond. Uh, I'm going to tell you my plan now and make me this trencher. It's like he was doing it for a laugh. Yeah. What but about he... a trencher? Yeah, I know. I always think this about insects on what's that program oh, called? The jungle, get me out. Yeah. But, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of order. It is, isn't it? How can you completely divorce yourself from the fact that that is a creature? Of our Just planet. because it's small. Yeah, we've said this out. before. Like a ladybird, though, if someone ate ladybirds because they're so they're sweet, a good little press. We don't they? know that they could be really horrible. Yeah, up close, if you're an aphid. Yeah, if you're an aphid, yeah, and you've got a ladybird. Yeah, you little aphid, I'm gonna bust you <laughs> up real good. It's because that nursery rhyme. Fly away home, your children are in trouble. What? What nursery rhyme? I've never heard that. Well, just imagine George Woods really <laughs> while you're just trying to doze off in a. Fly away home. <laughs> Nothing to look at. Face the front. Don't worry what I'm doing back here. <laughs> Mind your own beeswax. Big mouth, big hair, big brand radio. Ladybird, ladybird, fly away home. Your house is on fire. Your children are gone. What on earth are you talking about? That is a poem about written by ladies. you in a sex story starring you here it goes <laughs> Auntie Josie hear you this ladybird ladybird fly away home your house is on fire your children are gone so live here with me now give me a bath now, his house is on fire well, he doesn't have a house your children are gone. honestly it's a famous thing put that on the list of things with George Wood to investigate because that is a famous probably did, what, what that wasn't in a, a book like nursery rhymes for kids it was in a book that Uncle Warmfingers used to read me. Ladybird, Ladybird, fly away home. Yeah, it's like a famous thing. And that's that, And then they've got a stupid, they've got a lovely design. They've got great. Who? Ladybirds? Ladybirds, that really black, it's striking. It's weird when they fly, when they open up and fly. Yeah, like a little sweet wrapper opening. I don't yeah, like it. And then I don't like wings it. Come out. And then sometimes they shut their body up and they leave a bit, a bit of wing hanging out. out. Like <laughs> when a woman shuts her dress in the car door, you oh. see her go past. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, your dress is in the car door. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you can't look after your baby. <laughs> Listen to this. This is what a tarantula tastes like, according to this fella. It tasted quite salty and a little bit like burnt chicken. It felt crunchy and very dry in the mouth, like eating those very dry cheese biscuits. So it was difficult to swallow. Ugh. He trivialised everything. Crunchy, salty biscuits, a bit like chicken. <laughs> Chewing his way through it's a It's hairy. I wouldn't like that experience. And it's, whenever you crush an insect like that, there's all that, like, mayonnaise stuff comes out. <laughs> I don't mean that I've tasted it. I just mean it looks like mayonnaise. Yeah. I bet it's very bitter. You would be horribly bitter. <laughs> you couldn't have it as a dressing for no, a salad. No, of anyway. course not. I bet it stings and tastes of regret when you eat a spider. regrettable dressing. Oh, and the crunchiness. George Wood's new range of salad dressing. <laughs> this one is regret. Best enjoyed with radish. Kind thoughts. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Mr. Onak explained, it wasn't until I opened the container and saw how big it was that I started to feel very nervous. Oh, I don't like him going on this emotional <laughs> roller coaster ride. Yeah, but it sounds like he set this up. I don't think he went around collecting sponsor money. No. 
roll up, thinking, roll up. I was thinking about the quickest route to the cloakroom and whether I would still be alive by break time. One parent who did not wish to be named, but well, I'm afraid that's the conventional <laughs> system. You will know me as mystery. <laughs> One parent who did Number not wish nine. to be named, who was called the baby for life. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can call someone the baby till they're about, I get the baby in the car yeah. till about five, maybe. Yeah. But after that. But also, how would he have expressed that he didn't wish to be, like his parents leant over and went, oh, he looks like a George to me or something. And he went, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't fit into no box. <laughs> hey, I ain't playing your little games. I'm mystery number nine, and that's not a name. That changes. I'm a symbol. You ain't impressing me. I'm beyond Prince, Mama. <laughs> that baby grew up to be annoyed about this spider eating incident. What did this baby, this nameless baby, eventually say? It's all very well raising money. Good, I'm glad to be like that. <laughs> but why does he have to behave as if he's taking part in I'm a Celebrity? Yeah, I agree actually with the nameless one. Another complained. I don't believe it when they say that either. Because you can go, oh, somebody wished not to be named. Another. A pal said, you know, it's just like... <laughs> a source. Yeah. A uh, loudmouth said. <laughs> <laughs> we said, and then ascribed it to someone who doesn't exist. <laughs> I know that spiders are considered a delicacy in Cambodia, but we're not in Cambodia, we're in Orpington. In Orpington, we don't do things like this, even though we do. Actually, just have. <laughs> <laughs> and in Cambodia, they probably don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what peculiar lot of information. I just sincerely hope that. That would have taken a while. They're not small, they're the size of a man's hand. Yeah, it's like it's not like you can just go and that's it, it's yeah. over. You're gonna there's a bit more leg. And why was he thinking how far is it to the cloakroom? That's not got a toilet in it if he was gonna be sick. What's he gonna do? Just go and, go and stand there. Rub the coats, rub the coats. <laughs> I must find a way out of this mood. <laughs> to the cloakroom <laughs> Amidst the cloaks. The cloaks. The only place I'm truly relaxed. <laughs> that should call that should have changed over time to coat room, shouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, why didn't language just catch up to the fact that no one's wearing cloaks anymore? Apart from you. <laughs> You've probably got a cloakroom in your LA house, well, haven't you? Of course, I keep my cloaks, my cane, and my boot dagger. I just the old spell book. <laughs> ah, one tarantula required to raise funds. <laughs> cloakroom, yeah, Matt, that shouldn't have stuck around for so long. It's, it's gone on too why, long. Why doesn't someone go, right, does anyone except for Russell Brown and Red Riding Hood wear cloaks anymore? And then, well, no, so we'll, we'll call it a coat room. But I still yeah. remember the whole vibe of the coat room at both infant, primary, all of the schools, oh, yeah. actually. It's the a peg. big thing, your peg. You ever, I had a peg. picture of, I think it was a hot air balloon on mine. But I tell you what, it makes a lot of sense because when you stand next to Slash, your head is like a hot air balloon and you're full of hot gases, airs. Yes, well, I think that's why they did it. Because uh, no one else had a picture. <laughs> they had a picture of their face. <laughs> I need to do some washing, actually. I've got no, I've got more dirty clothes with me now than clean. Why don't you put them into the hotel washing system? I didn't know I was allowed. Well, I don't. I'm not I was sure. told every fee has to go through you. <laughs> <laughs> These socks of Matt Morgan. I mean, how dirty were What is he work? doing with this minibar? Is that a Twix? <laughs> Twix and Gordon's gin. What kind of night is that? <laughs> yeah, no, I do need to do that. Do some washing, Matthew. You're entitled to clean, fresh clothes. Do, they have to do, do you have to do it overnight, or can they do it? I think you're best to get it in by 5pm, although you can stipulate on the form, oh, look, I'm leaving the hotel at this time. Oh, right, OK. No, I need I'm to do that then, because I'm running out of outfits. Yeah, well, you look gorgeous today, but I can see you at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to struggle with after this one. 
Um, cloakroom, I just feel a little bit more like I feel like I've been bullied in a cloakroom. Like when I sort of, I'm yeah. negative about cloakrooms. In my head, and this has never happened, I've been hung by my school tie in a cloakroom with my feet not touching the floor. Yeah, like that, by Gripper from Graham Shield. Yeah. Because that's happened in my head as well. Yeah. To me. Yeah. But it was next to your hot air balloon hook. Yeah. So, for some reason, we have in our shared cultural memory, the same as we have the facility for language, we have a hang on a coat pig gene. Feeling. Just yeah. a feeling, a just vibe. A feeling that just hanging happened. there, waiting. This is very strange that we're suffering this sort of peculiar genetic you, echo. Do you remember when you had your PE kit in those like drawstring, drawstring bags bag, yes, with black, bag, um, what were those shoes called? PE slippers. Oh, yes. PE slippers. And plimsoles. <laughs> <laughs> Slippers. Oh, probably did it drama they school. They were called your little booty booties. <laughs> <laughs> Curly little Turks slippers. <laughs> <laughs> we used to wear coloured Turks slippers. Yeah, I, I went to a normal school, you know. Our hey. PE kid, like everyone, the silk, <laughs> silk cloak. <laughs> I put on the cloak and the curly Turks slippers, then it's straight into the ballroom for the Fandango. Right, kids? Then into assembly, but when you finish the Fandango. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. And they've got elastic band made of soles, like scrunched up elastic bands, all been refined. Yeah, yeah. Right. So and there's like a little bit of elastic on the top in the shape of a sort of D, like a D. Yeah. Like a that. sort of sideways D. What do you wear those with that can make them acceptable? Well, I wore them with high knee socks, little mm. shorts, and a vest. And you say you haven't got enough clothes <laughs> for taste like that. Melvin Jiggins was quite the fool when he wore those pee slippers, or <laughs> plimsolls as you call them in Kent. Uh, he wore them a lot of the time, mate. Hang on, are you saying that they were called PE slippers at your school? No, they weren't. I don't know. I don't know where I've got Plimsolls. <laughs> plimsolls, they were plimsolls. Yeah. But Melvin Jiggins wore them. Is he a real person? Yeah. And I'd like to take this opportunity to lambast him. <laughs> <laughs> he wore them a lot of the time. I right. Think. Oh, what? Even at the weekend? Weekend. When you see, I see you, I see that shoes there. He's wearing your school uniform at the weekend. That happened to me. Someone accused me of wearing my school shoes at the weekend. Were you? Yes. I think it was because my trainers were wet. Yeah. But well, you, do you remember that? When you wear school shoes with like, like weekend clothes, clothes. it's horrible. They never or feel more uncomfortable than when you're wearing tracksuit bottoms and school shoes. In the, in the uniform, they could be lost. But you put them next to some jogging bottoms, oh elasticated God. at the ankle. You might as well be wearing clogs. <laughs> you might as well wear little Dutch clogs. Or and a little Dutch girl's little dress as well. Little Dutch girl dress. By a windmill. Mm, hello. And then patrol the red light district <laughs> in the dam, <clears throat> looking for coin. Yeah. So actually, probably thinking about it now, poor old Melvin Jiggins and a lot of the other kids. That Poverty. Poverty is the lurking curse of uh, yeah. South East At least England's this spider-eating headmaster is trying to bust us out of poverty. He is for him that children won't have to wear those plimsolls at any time other than when they're doing rope climbing or whatever. Mind you, you know at school when they said, can everyone give 50p or, you know, like, you yeah. just think, oh, no, because it was a sponsored walk. If they said the headmaster's going to eat a tarantula, I would have given money. Yeah, I suppose so, but that, what that would have done for me, Matt, is that would have loosened the parameters of what was possible to the point where I was like, well, I want to see their head. Well, you'd have gone, he's going to do that. Everyone go nuts. Okay. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> me here. Yeah, I don't want to see their master do even weirder stuff then. I'd make him drink some Tipex then. I don't think they were taking suggestions. Right, he dreams that up and then goes, oh, I have to go yeah. to the cloakroom. I don't think, yeah. Mind. 
Headmaster, Russell Brand's here with some brilliant ideas. Okay, firstly, Head, nice to see you put the tarantula down, because tonight we're going to be drinking some Tippex. How about that? Then you see that guy who's always running around in the brown coat. Here, take it. Is that what he does? Because he, he freaks me out. I want you two to kiss each other. Here's my 50p. He Cheer could be um, he could be done for by the RSPCA, couldn't he? I think he should be. Because yeah. that's a that's like an exotic pet. It's like killing an exotic pet. Yeah. From amusement. From a proud line of spiders. Yeah. That were brought over here, I don't know, Victorian times or something. Victorian times, it's so Victorian times. The arachnoids, that have a proper Latin name, Arachnus tarantulus or something yeah. like that, most likely. Yeah. He just scoffs it down just to build it good, <laughs> to look good, so we can shut around like John Travolta. Oh, I imagine the little hairy leg coming out the side of his mouth. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Scuttling off to the cloakroom. <laughs> I think he's going to become a habit for him. I think he'll be scoffing down tarantulas all the time five now. a day yeah five a day tarantula habit people will see him clutch clutching him beneath a desk that woman who swallowed a fly she could be involved in this perhaps uh, for my firstly i'm going to do this with fly then the spider then a cat and a dog and a mouse the whole story is bloody ridiculous actually i know i think we've talked about this on the radio before probably it's the sort of thing that stays in our mind too long yeah that really resonated with me as a kid did. i imagined her like a russian peasant woman in a headscarf it was horrific i didn't like the beginning where she'd swallowed a fly i thought yeah, that was pretty bad it's like she did that by mistake didn't she? she was and every remedy, remedy was worse each she was remedy eating. the cure is worth worse than the problem that it's trying yeah. to remedy and now. also the thing you eat well, only if, right. What did she eat after the fly? Right. So she's eating a mouse. How's that better? Because the fly's just inside the mouse. Yeah, you've still got it all in you. You're just so like the mouse goes in, gets the fly, and comes out. They all got it. Thanks for the opportunity, Mrs. Happy to be on the team. Maybe that's what he said. No, I'll go. Don't worry. And then he goes in there, goes, I'm not coming out. <laughs> and she sends in a cat. Yeah, and then she doesn't learn from that. I think, well, this whole system's obviously bogus learn. and corrupt. I'll eat a cat now. Why do the animals want to be inside her? What's she got inside her that's what so nice? Now? What kind of jewel has she got in her gallbladder, this bitch? This wench? What do you think? Your whoopsie don't stink. What's next, eh? Horses. And then I think by the time it gets to the end, it's a horse and a cow. And they're about the same size. Like, then why a horse or a cow, yeah. both of whom are vegetarians, would eat each other in a woman's stomach? To me, it seems like the woman and the headmaster are both as bad as one another. Do you think he would have gone to the toilet and there would have been, you know, like, you know, a spider's yeah, leg in his poo? There's probably some indigestible elements to a trench, I would have thought. I think most of it. Yeah. All bits of gum. Okay, Scooby Doo. Do you excuse me? I have to have a snack. Thank you, do. I think that, uh, yeah, the little pincers by its gob. Yeah, those they bits. And they've got loads of eyes. Yeah. Like little leathery eyes. Nasty. Little mandibles clacking. Clacky mandibles up in your stools, down on the porcelain, clack, 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 and then he runs a school. How can the children respect a man who they know at some point will be using a chopstick to poke through his feces looking for mandibles? Yeah, looking for bits. <laughs> See your sports day, toots. What a weirdo. I think we've gone mad. We've spent so what much are we time on that topic, Matt. <laughs> this is on talk sports. There's people up there now shut, filing in for, to see a man who's written a book. I know, and I am that And you're man. that man, and you're down here talking about a this headmaster fishing for his poo for a spider's leg. And you're talking about it as if you were talking to Jeremy Paxman and it was important. <laughs> for me, it's all the same. Talking to Paxman about that, talking to you about this. It's just a load of things that my eyes are looking at before eventually they <laughs> shut forever. <laughs> that's, a nice, that's a nice ending. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, well, you've been listening to... Ah, G's going to struggle to wrap up the show. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he goes on about Spider for ages. You're listening to Russell Brown on TalkSport. Mr G, the poet laureate of the show, will now summarise the event with a poem. From the angels of the north, we move our heads down south. Eastern promise from ghostly George. Let's go west out and about on the town. As we sail the merchant navy where the merry maidens roam. Anchor tattoos, begrudging stag dues, the bedrock of all dial tones. As ladybird wings are flapping, tarantula chitty chitty action. Scripting graphic passion. As lady wing, as ladybird wings are flapping. You're getting worse every time you try. <laughs> as ladybird wings are flapping, tarantula chitty chitty action, scripting graphic passion, ship shape and Bristol fashion. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Russell.